first of all, can you share with us uh, your story, your journey, leading indigenous cultural experiences at the Kuri Heritage Trust and uh, becoming one of the most popular people at uh, Federation Square? I'm not sure about my own popularity at Federation Square. It certainly um, probably has to be based on the popularity of the Kuri Heritage Trust and our work as a cultural centre, really. But, um, yeah, so my mob is... Wachabolic in Western Victoria and Yono Kurnai from down Gippsland here in Victoria. A lot of my family are associated with the Late Tyres mission. When talking about your popularity at Federation Square, I'm not only referring to people seeing you when you're running your cultural uh, tours, but it's also about this big portrait of yourself uh, that's in a walkway to Federation Square, welcoming guests uh, in language Wominjaka. Can you tell us a word or two about uh, this portrait and uh, the message that it conveys? Is that the picture of me? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> oh, it's kind of embarrassing, actually. I get so many people saying, oh, we saw you at Federation Square, and I wasn't even there, but it just happens to be that picture there. Um, some of our work that we've been doing, especially with Federation Square, has been having a presence. So the Koori Heritage Trust is a culture centre, is an important presence, I think, within Federation Square, especially from a First Peoples point of view, and to actually have people start to understand that you're engaging in that culture and the opportunities there at Federation Square. So that part of that presence now is actually having, I mean, for want of a better term, it's it's signage, but that signage is also having some educational component to it as well. They're talking a little bit about you know, the the landscape, the traditional owners and the land that you're on. So, you know, it goes a little bit beyond just signage. I just find it a little bit embarrassing that my face is on it, but <laughs> no, that's okay. It's important because uh, when visitors uh, take that walkway leading up to Fed Square, they see that uh, big uh, portrait of you with uh, the words uh, Womanjika or welcome in very big fonts and uh, the rest of the messaging in smaller fonts. It's important because it starts conversations as uh, visitors uh, head to Fed Square. Yeah, and I, and I think that's important. And that's why, that's why I say it goes a little bit beyond just, it's not an advertising sign, but it actually is an educational sign. So it talks to our presence from that point of view, but it gives um, visitors an opportunity to start to understand that they're, engaging in something when they're visiting Federation Square or they're engaging in culture when they're visiting Federation Square and then obviously visiting the Koori Heritage Trust as well. Your cultural experiences are very popular with tourists and uh, visitors uh, to Fed Square in Melbourne. What can one learn about uh, First Nations culture from your cultural experiences? The learning side of it is actually really important to us. The Koori Heritage Trust has been running tours for well over 20 years at its various locations, including of when we've landed at Fed Square now for around eight years, predominantly the tours had been educational based and we had a lot of school groups, corporate groups that would do our tours to actually learn about, you know, Aboriginal Victoria, to learn about Aboriginal Melbourne in particular, which was really important. It was an opportunity to engage with our artifacts and artworks to learn about our unique cultures and unique styles here in Victoria. Um, today, the tours continue to do that educational component with school groups and corporate. We learn about Melbourne. We learn about the history of Melbourne. We acknowledge 
the country and acknowledge the Wurundjeri Warram peoples as the traditional owners of the the land. But when we talk through our work, we actually talk through the history of Melbourne itself as well, not just what the traditional landscape might have been, but a little bit about that impact of colonisation, how that impacted on the landscape, how it impacted on Aboriginal people. But we talk about the fact that our culture is still alive and culture is still present here in Melbourne today, um, that you can find Aboriginal culture in Melbourne and in our urban spaces. And whether that be some traditional forms within the landscape still, or even, you know, in the naming of a walkway such as Biramma, or the naming of a bridge such as William Barrack Bridge and Tandara Bridge within our sport entertainment precinct, our culture can be found in a range of different ways now. And that's also inclusive of public artworks, urban design, and what is being built into that urban landscape as well. And so it's an opportunity for people to learn that you can engage and learn and take part in Aboriginal culture, even in our urban spaces, and that it's alive and vibrant in that sense. I think it's really important because it's dispelling some of the myths of Aboriginal Australia to a certain extent as well. But the tours themselves have gone well beyond there now, especially within the tourism side of things. And so the Koori Heritage Trust is doing a lot of work with Visit Victoria and Tourism Australia. Um, we're a Discover Aboriginal experience as a signature experience for Tourism Australia now. And so we're getting a lot of international guests. Um, you know, it's been really driven, especially since we've come out of COVID now. We're seeing a lot of international guests coming back. And it's been a good timing for us to be supporting us to become, you know, quite a, a, an attraction within Melbourne itself as well. Yeah, talking about the Birarangma or the Yarra River, having done myself uh, one of the tours, uh, I learned a lot uh, about the history of this river and how it's been uh, profoundly transformed by colonisation. It's a very popular river with Melbournians and tourists, yet most wouldn't know anything about uh, its history and how First Nations people lived and connected with this river uh, prior to colonization. Can you remind us of uh, the history of the Birarangma and uh, how colonization has uh, deeply transformed uh, its course and uh, the landscape around it? You look at the modern landscape today and you look at the course of the river and how it looks today, it is really hard to imagine what that landscape was traditionally. And a lot of Melbourne was wetlands and it was bogs and lagoons and marshes and it was a very different landscape. The river itself was a flooding river. It's hard to imagine that it used to have waterfalls and those waterfalls are actually, you know, one of our major streets now, Frost, where those waterfalls used to be. And so there was a modification of the river to stop it from flooding. So they widened the river. In some areas, it's almost three times as wide as it used to be. They changed part of the course of the river and they took out the waterfalls to actually stop it from flooding. So it enabled, you know, well, I guess it enabled colonisation from that point of view in terms of changing the landscape to be more of a European landscape that then supported, you know, sheep and cattle and farming and um, you know, that in itself was quite an impact, especially not just on the natural landscape, but the, you know, the flora and fauna of the area as well. And so we try and get our guests and our visitors to imagine what that landscape might have been, to imagine certain parts of Melbourne, you know, from a, a land point of view, not even really existing as being actually underwater. And it's, um, I think it's really important that people can learn 
that colonization had an impact. We know it had an impact on our people in the ways that it did, but the impact on the landscape was quite profound as well. Being able to talk about Birrarung as the traditional name of the river rather than Yarra starts to tell a story of the name of the river capturing the true essence of what that landscape once was. I know you ran tours for big groups. Even uh, before we started this conversation, you were staging a tour with a large group. Uh, I believe it was a corporate group because they were all uh, dressed up uh, in their corporate uniforms. Do you also cater for like individuals or even couples with uh, tailor-made experiences? Yeah, we do. Um, There's probably a range of aspects of how people do access our tours. So we do take group bookings, like I said before, with school groups or corporate groups, and they're typically anywhere between 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, basically general and standard business hours. And we take special groups from time to time and so we work quite a lot with you know AFL clubs come on tours when we get you know events in Melbourne um, we will from time to time get some of those sporting teams coming in the group you saw me with was actually Melbourne United the NBL team they were doing this tour as an education to lead up into um, the First Nations round in the NBL so we kind of match purpose from that point of view But in terms of individuals, we also have firstly our public tours that run nine to five. They start at one o'clock and they can be booked via our website online. We do get a lot of people as walk-ins as well, which is great. When we get the walk-ins, it means people are visiting the trust, not just doing our tours, but visiting the trust and engaging in our culture and the cultural center that we are as well. Also within tourism, we do offer private tours. And sometimes we've had private tours through other groups that have come and brought their um, their guests into the Koori Heritage Trust, and then we've conducted our tour for them. Sometimes we get direct bookings as well, and whether that's couples, we've had families. Basically, from my point of view, it's just anyone that's interested and wants to engage and learn from that perspective, then we'll take that on board. Talking about the Koori Heritage Trust, it has to be said that uh, the premises are currently being uh, revamped uh, with uh, major refurbishments to make it uh, a bigger and uh, better space. But you also mentioned that uh, your tours uh, run during the day 9 to 5. But what happens, uh, as is often the case in Melbourne, when the weather is either too hot or too cold and wait for comfort? We do a little bit of a mixture. Obviously, when it's extreme heat, we try not to take our guests out along the river. When it's okay heat, obviously we encourage water bottles, appropriate sunwear, you know, wearing, you know, protection and all those kind of things. And the same in light rain. We offer umbrellas when it's just light rain and drizzle, which, as you said, we can quite often get in Melbourne to last for some time. But in the really heavy rain, one of the bonuses we have as being the cultural centre that we are We have a lot of amazing indoor spaces, and you talked about our renovations happening now. Um, Come the first week of December, we'll be launching that new space, and we'll actually have a whole brand new gallery that takes up one of the entire floors of the Yarra building. What we're going to offer is an opportunity, still with one of our guides, to spend a bit more time possibly indoors with the indoor component. There's the hands-on opportunity with the artifacts to learn about the artifacts, how they're made. It's really exciting for a lot of our guests because they get the touch and feel. We don't like our culture to 
be completely behind glass in a museum style. We'd like our people and our guests to engage with that culture. So the hands-on is always a good indoor experience. And as part of that, with the expansion of our galleries, which is going to be absolutely amazing, gives us a great opportunity for the um, for our guests to engage with the artworks and you know what our current exhibition might be. We have a lot of return guests that do almost stay indoors sometimes because our exhibitions change over around every three months. So for some people, it can be a completely different experience to the last time they visited as well. So we provide a lot of indoor opportunity. What can you tell us about Fed Square, where all this takes place or starts? Uh, it's best known for being home to ACME, the Australian Centre for the Moving Image, and of course the Kuri Heritage Trust. But uh, what can you tell us about the place from an Indigenous uh, tourism destination perspective? It's a, it's a really interesting space because it's actually come to be a major meeting place in Melbourne. And, you know, as you know, we both work there and we go in there quite a lot. There's always people. There's always something happening. I know when I first started at the Korea Heritage Trust, I'd only gone to Federation Square when there was an activity on. And I thought that's what Federation Square did. But since I've arrived, I've suddenly realised it's almost every day that there's actually something on. You know, if you like, your average Melbourneian will hang there for lunch or whatever it might be. But if you look at ACME, NGV, the Koori Heritage Trust, it actually has become a real sort of almost visitor hub and an arts hub to a certain extent from that point of view that does attract interstate and international guests as well. And I think it's actually the, it's a, it's a free space and it's a free activity space. So there's always a way of engaging with something. And I think that's part of the amazing side of Federation Square in that way. And finally, any message or closing words for our listeners? I, I just encourage anyone from any background to visit. And it's an opportunity to you know, walk in and engage with the unique cultures of Aboriginal Victoria. What I like about what we do at the Curry Heritage Trust is that we provide a safe space for anyone to engage in that culture. And we provide a safe space for our own mobs and our own communities around Victoria, especially those peoples that have, you know, ancestral works within the Curry Heritage Trust. But it's a safe space for anyone of any background. And so I encourage it from the point of view of just take the opportunity to learn about Aboriginal culture and the unique cultures of Victoria. Rob Hyatt, thank you very much for joining us on NITV Radio to talk to us about uh, the Koori Heritage Trust's uh, Indigenous cultural experiences. It's been a great pleasure talking to you. Oh, good. Thank you.